Welcome, Digital Difference Makers. Today with me, I've got Kelsey March, a high-performance coach. Welcome, Kelsey. Hey, guys. How's it going? How are you going, Joe? I'm going well. Thank you for coming on. I'm keen to dive into this conversation because I think it's uh, relevant for a lot of people. It's not really like, I think everyone can really use like tips around their performance. So, But yeah. for people that don't know you yet, can you just give them a quick rundown of like who you are and, and what high performance coaching is? Sure. Um, so just to give a little background, my actual background lies in uh, many years working in the psychology field. So I worked in inpatient psychiatry, and then I also have a realm of business administration background. And uh, when I had quit my job in psychology field, I left to to travel, and I'd been and I the last number of years been kind of doing long term. Uh, slow travel across the world. This is how my business popped up. I missed the work that I was doing and I fell into the coaching realm. I didn't even realize that it was something that existed. And um, so now I do that high performance, which is kind of a combination. So I specifically work with online business owners, um, CEOs in particular, founders, to help them optimize their personal systems as well as their backend business operations so that they have a little more sustainability while they scale without all that like added overwhelm uh, without you know losing more of their time and their mind so to speak so it's a nice combination of looking at like that personal performance and then with the business's performances overall um, and, and how can we improve that yeah yeah with like the real focus on getting time back I'm sort of um, seeing so like yeah I suppose what kind of systems do you think a lot of people overlook well, on, the on number, both sides sure yeah I would say the number one thing that I think most people they overlook when they jump into entrepreneurship is realizing how important those personal systems are so I know that we hear in like the personal development world like oh self-care this or uh, productivity that, or um, how can we, you know, be more organized, but it really comes down to how you, how you manage and organize your time, because just like you have a business that has operations and systems, you yourself, you're a business and you have operations and systems, the way that you feed yourself every day, the way that you water yourself and you sleep and you take care of yourself, those are all systems. And if, and I'm sure like a lot of the listeners who own businesses, they realize that you end up wearing a bajillion hats and you're managing a lot of different things. And so your time and energy is getting pulled in a lot of different directions. And so one of the number one things they can do to help improve what the work that they're doing in their business is to focus on those, those personal systems for themselves. Like, how are you taking care of yourself? How are you managing your energy? How are you managing your mindset? How are you managing your emotions? Because if you can really streamline that process, you have less distraction and you can be more productive in the way you show up in your business. And I think this, the, in the, the business realm, in terms of operations, I think it's a matter of looking at how you're showing up for whatever it is that you're prioritizing at the time. So for a lot of business owners, and I know a lot of people that listen to this are coaches, one of the things that is difficult for them is probably like lead generation um, prospecting or content, that sort of thing. And so figuring out how you can create a sustainable system, because all it comes down to is once you figure out how to do it, you just have to be consistent and then like slowly optimizing it as you go, but you can't be consistent or optimize unless you create 
some sort of process for yourself that it's easy for you to show up and do. I, I, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. I mean, it's, uh, I, I think, what's the saying? Like, um, the best system is the, is the one that you use. Like, the best strategy is the one that you actually use. Like, yeah. so I suppose on the, like, when someone starts with you, where, where do you typically start with them? I mean, I'm sure that depends on what they're telling you is the main problem. But do you sort yeah. of try and just, do you have a normal starting point to try and figure out what's the most important system right now or yeah absolutely well i mean so we do we take a, we basically do an, an overhaul or like an audit so we take a look at one what are your top priorities right now so based on what's what's happening in your business are you looking to get more sales are you looking to have more client retention are you looking to launch a new offer are you whatever it is that you're trying to do um and what are you trying to do personally so most of the time for the business owners that I work with, they're, they're quite successful. I work with a lot of agency owners. They're quite successful in terms of their marketing. So they, 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 they're in that rock and that hard place where they have the ability of great pipeline for lead generation. Uh, they just, their bandwidth is so maxed out that they can't take on more clients because they're struggling with the ones that they already have on their plate. And so it's kind of like, well, in order to make more money, I need to bring on more clients, but in order to bring on more clients, I need to like bring on more people, but, or like, I need to be able to take on more work, but I don't have the capacity to do so. Um, so we basically do an audit of, okay, what one is, what is your goal? And then we do an audit of how they're actually operating as is. So I know um, everyone hates the term operations or standard operating procedures, but these things are really key if you're going to have a, a, a business that you can scale. And everyone wants to have a template given to them. They want like, just give me what's the SOP for this. What's the SOP for my lead gen? Like what's the SOP for my content marketing or what, what's the standard operating procedure for getting my, myself to actually work out three times a week. Right. Yeah. Like everyone wants it given to them, but looking at how you're actually spending your time as is and seeing how your team is spending their time. Where's the, where's the energy going and what are people focusing on? What are the specific tasks that are happening? So we just basically, we do a time audit and we do a process audit. That's always the number one starting um, point and then getting an idea of where they want to go and what's that visionary kind of um, that the, the goals that they want to reach. Yeah. I suppose, how do you manage that across a team? Like I suppose it's um, cause that's something I'm sure a lot of people are curious about when they've had, you know, even people have just had a virtual assistant, like, how do you start looking at their time and maximizing what they're doing? Because I suppose there's like that trade-off of like, I know what I can achieve, yeah. but like my team isn't me. So like, mm -hmm. how do you manage like getting the most out of them without having that like expectation they should be as good as you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was actually just having a conversation with someone about this the other day. Well, so first and foremost, I love this when a lot of business owners get squirrely about being like, okay, we're going to have you start creating SOPs or we're going to have to go and like change the SOPs that you have. And they're like, I don't have time for this. I don't want to do this. One of the perks of having already having a team in place is you can delegate this out. So you first and foremost want to start with, you go to, you know, Susie Q, who's your virtual assistant and say, Hey Susie, when you're doing this task today, can you just write down the steps in which that you're accomplishing them? Like, how are you completing this task? Where are you going? And so you get them to kind of start the bare bone outline for that SOP already. And you're getting it as it's being done, not as like, 
the SOP that you originally gave them, the instructions or the training that you gave them. And then like seeing like, oh, are they doing these things that I asked them to do, but just having them write out what their process and system is. And so that's one way of like delegating it out where it saves you time, but you actually get to see things in real, real time. Um, I'm real big on doing kind of group meetings to review, especially, and it's, it's a bit of a slower process because you can't necessarily do it for everything all at once, but having a big SOP review meeting. So if there's things that are not, um, that are showing to have poor quality in the results and outcomes. So I had an agency owner, he has an entire team that he works with, um, virtual assistants, but they're all specified. They do all sorts of things from Google ads to SEO and, and all of that. And they were just finding that the quality across the output for all their different clients, it, there was constant like having to um, redraft or fix like things that were being put through. And what it came down to was that like, one, everyone was doing something different than what the original uh, SOP or like the training system was and their communication had a lot of gaps in it. So um, they're supposed to be doing everything. They had a beautiful system on ClickUp, but it wasn't being followed. And then what they were doing is they weren't communicating where they were supposed to on the platform. And so things were even more falling through the cracks. So having a, a team meeting in which everyone contributes, not where you come in and say, hey guys, this is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it, but going through and reviewing the process and steps after someone you know, you said, hey, can you show me what you're doing and, and how you're doing it? And we can list out those steps. Reviewing it together and saying, okay, guys, why are we doing this step? Or do we think this step is necessary? What would we like to do different here? And you get the team to collaborate because what's important about being a leader, it's not that you are leading other people to do things and telling them what to do, but you're building other leaders to help grow and manage the business. And that's how you're going to see that like ultra collaboration and people who are invested in, in the business growing. Yeah. It's interesting how leadership comes in there. Cause I, I think for a lot of people, particularly with team, it's like that hard part of letting go of control and not sort of having things done like exactly how you want them to be done when mm -hmm. yeah like that the the team might think that's a bad way of doing it like to them it like doesn't make much sense so it's like you can't and at the end of the day I suppose sticking with that whole thing of the best system is the one that's used is yeah if the team are kind of wanting to lean in one direction they don't really it's hard like you require their buying right like how how much of this is like when you're working with people and their teams is trying to also work on the leader to make sure they're getting buy-in well so most of the time this is why i specifically work with ceos and founders because everything in a business is top down so if like the mm. business owner is not on board then it's going to be really hard to get other people on board um and I think when it comes to like with team leads, so sometimes it, it also depends. I, I just want to give this caveat. It depends on the type of team that you have. Do you have contractors? Do you have part-time employees? And where you start to see conflict is where you're utilizing contractors that are, should be put into a part-time employee role. Um, and so something that I was going to say, like, yes, maybe maybe looking at the SOP based on how it's been created with, within your team and how it's existing as is needs to be a little more tweaked towards what the team is saying, hey, this actually works better. Yes, that's fine. But where it comes into making sure we're having accountability and we're still hitting our goals and we're still hitting our metrics is where you have the parameters set that are kind of like, 
okay, how we go about it <clears throat> is fine and we can improve that process and system. Let's say, for example, lead generation, how they're going about it, we can improve this because there's multiple ways to do lead gen, right? Like there's, you can be doing cold calling, cold emailing, cold DMing, organic, inbound, outbound, all that stuff, right? So maybe the team thinks it might be better to focus on one avenue versus another, but still having those metrics in place, like the KPIs, like, okay, so if we're going to focus on cold emailing, well, this is what, what our metrics are. We still need to be hitting this number every single week. We still need to be trying to book this number of like calls and we need to be dedicating this amount of time. This is what your role should be expected. And so those are firm parameters that if your team is not meeting them, then you know that, okay, this is a matter of maybe work ethic, or maybe this is not the right, right role for this person. And so that's where the difference in like micromanaging comes in versus setting clear expectations so that you're employees or team members know what they're supposed to show up and do. Um, but when it comes to that whole, like taking on responsibility as a leader and getting other team members to step into that leadership role, it really comes down to like, if you have someone who's a contractor and they're only doing a certain amount of work, but you need them to start showing up and having more client facing interaction or to be showing up at a certain time for very specific reasons to be available at a specific time, that's when you need to start considering moving them over into a more firm role and then having, giving them that liberty to like grow with the business. Um, otherwise contractors, they can, you know, when they pull out whenever they want, but also the, that's the freedom of being a freelancer or contractor is that they don't have to take on those additional responsibilities and then therefore they're not as invested in the business. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose like you do need contractors to get, started before you can like commit to a part-time employee but at the same time it, do it does come with that um that risk i suppose doesn't it of like they're not they don't see themselves as a team member maybe you don't necessarily fully see them as a team member yeah. and there's not like the that incentive to kind of like get on board and build the things in the business because i suppose as well like contractors kind of some almost want there to be like a reliance on them as well so it's mm -hmm. like do you find that you know a lot of agency owners are, are fearful of bringing contractors on as no I, they I want that the contractors are the other way i find it the opposite that they want the contractors well, they, they start with the contractors and then there's that fear of bringing on like a full-time employee. And I've had, I've had agency owners that are in two different pockets. So I've had an agency owner who like has actual, all of his people are, they're, they're full-time or part-time employees. Yeah. Yeah. I had another one where um, he does contractors with, he's a copywriting agency. And so he does contractors with, um, and he has like a full training system and where he trains people up and if they want to contract with him, great. If they don't like, then they move on kind of thing, but they, they exchange, you know, work and pay and all that. And then I had another client who she had an email marketing. I call it an agency, an email marketing agency, but she was with contractors and she wanted to move up to like full-time agency level where she had like, um, like client account manager, which is a full-time employee role, that sort of thing. And we did, we scaled up to it. And she was like, you know, this is actually not worth my, it's not worth my time and it's taking more of my money. And so we scaled back down to the contractor sort of scenario and her contractors have been with her for a, quite a bit of time. So um, the way that she treated them, she treated them like full-time employees and she was very communicative with them about, do you want to grow with the company? And I think that's what people misunderstand is that 
with, if you have a contractor, you get along working with a freelancer and they've done a lot, they're doing a lot of work for you have those open conversations and say, Hey, like, I like working with you. I'm happy to keep you on a contractor status. If you'd like to do part-time, we can. Um, but I would like to know, are you looking to continue to grow with the, the business and stick with the business and do what we're doing? Um, I mean, for, for like right, right now, my virtual assistant that I have in particular, she, uh, she does a lot of work for me, but she's, she's a contractor and I check in with, with her as if she's my regular employee. I'll say, hey, so like, this is what I'm working on. This is what we're working towards together. You did a great job with this and this this week. Um, do you have any questions for me? Do you have any feedback about the processes that we're doing that maybe I'm missing? And then once a month, I always check in with her to say, hey, like, what is it that you would like to be doing more of? Or what would you like to be doing different? Is there anything you want to start growing in terms of your role? And so that incentivizes her to stick around as well as like, whenever I sign a new client, I will give her a little bonus for that because I, I want to pay her more and I appreciate her time and energy and effort. And so I think the way we approach it, our intentions behind it make a huge difference in the communication overall. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I suppose like what kind of systems do you talk about with business owners around communication and like things that I think that well, this might be another question, but I, I'm curious to know what systems and processes there might be out there that some people sort of would say would think they can't systemize or make a process. Because I, I think there's a lot of people that are a bit in disbelief about like, oh, I can't systemize. Like that has to be done like my way and I'm the only one that can be doing that. Like, do you find that comes up a fair bit? Yeah. Um... I think like what I see at a higher level is the lack of like a feedback system, a lack of accountability system and a lack of like, I don't want, I don't want to call it incentivization, but like uh, inclusiveness sort of uh, communication. So and that's at a higher level. Um, and I can, I'll touch on the lower level because I know it's a little bit different for, you know, bigger agencies. And when I say agencies, the agencies I work with, they have teams from anywhere from five to like 15 people. And that's the max that I really like to work with. Um, but in, in general, and anyone who has a team member, contracted or not, it's really important to have like um, open communication in terms of feedback in which you are giving feedback, but also receiving feedback. And that can be systematized. So you could have a feedback form that goes out once a month and say, hey, would you mind filling out this form and giving me some feedback? If you have a larger team, it's great to make that in an anonymous form if possible. Um, and then also having, you know, like a monthly check-in meeting where you're face-to-face -face with your team member and you're saying like, hey, like I just would like to review what, you know, we've worked on this month, what was accomplished, what wasn't, feedback to them. If they have feedback for you and you kind of just have a conversation, but it's all without any sort of like repercussion or consequences kind of thing. So that's the feedback to and from kind of thing that you can systematize that's going to help your business grow and you're going to help maintain keeping the, the team members that you have. Um, another one is actually with, uh, well, so what did I say? I said it was the feedback. It was the accountability. So an accountability one would be to check in weekly there, especially with, um, virtual assistants that are more task-based, they're not doing higher level. It's really important to be getting, like doing an end of day report or an end of week report that can be systematized. And that could be them literally sending over, Hey, I need you to tell me uh, what were your KPI metrics for this? How much time did you spend on this? 
and what didn't you accomplish and what did you accomplish? Literally those four things can be in an end of day report that they send to you at the end of their day. You don't have to micromanage their hours, but when they finish it each day, you know you're gonna get that end of day report in your Slack, in your Telegram, your whatever. Um, if, if that's too much, then doing an end of week report and having a Google doc that's set up for that, that's another form of communication to stay on track with what are we doing that we're not doing. And then for the um, kind of like the inclusion sort of communication, I think what, and this is a lot of business owners, they don't do this. They hire people and then they don't talk to them about what's going on in their business. They don't say anything in terms of like the higher level stuff. They don't say like, Hey, like this is what we accomplished this week on the back end of like the bigger side of our business. And we've signed some clients and this is what we're going to start working on a launch for this. And this is going to be, you know, what our goal is for next month or next quarter um, to include people to feel like, they're contributing to a larger picture. It, it it encourages and motivates people and to feel like they have, they've been a part of something and they want to continue to help it grow. Um, even if there's something not great going on, saying, hey guys, we're like struggling in terms of our sales, our marketing, blah, blah, blah. This is what we're trying to focus on right now. We do want to do this launch later on, blah, 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 right? It It's inclusive. That's where, and it incentivizes people naturally via empathy to want to contribute to that. And so that's that communication role. Um, the last one of the, I mean, there's been plenty more, but one of the other ones I'll touch on is communication with clients. So people, you know, the biggest thing with our clients is scope creep where, you know, we are setting something up with a client for telling them we can do something. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you have this client that's asking for more and more or taking more of your time and boundaries haven't been set. So being able to set parameters in the beginning that is a form of communication or like if it's something like a weekly check-in that can be automated. It can mean automated email that goes out every week to say, update me about what you're working on this week. What are we focusing on? And then when you get that back, you can email back and say, this is what we're focusing on on our end. Um, or, you know, if you're just doing coaching one-on-one -on -one with clients, knowing every Monday at this time, you're sending out a check-in message and that you have your check-in messages with your actual clients over on this platform and you're using a different platform for your lead generation so it doesn't get lost and confused. Um, so th that's kind of like the basic examples for communication systems and processes. I hope that answered. That no, question. it does. I think, I, I think even like for coaches, I think that like there's an interesting side, like for them, I, I feel like even clients can continue to kind of like overstep 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 and i feel like uh, agency owners and coaches it's hard to say no to clients because you want yeah. to keep them happy and you want to please them so it's like you almost do need like a system in place so that you can avoid those awkward uncomfortable conversations when it has gone too far and you kind of mm -hmm. have to be like firm on like hey like we absolutely can't like go further ahead here. Like, right. yeah, that, that, that becomes harder and harder, deeper into the conversation, mm -hmm. I think, rather than if it is clear from the beginning. Um, right. So I think that's a really important one, like as far as I see. With, uh, with coaches in particular, and since my basis is coaching, um, one thing that I see with a lot of coaches, well, and this isn't, this is people, well, there's a lot of people in general, we tend to be people pleasers. And so we don't want to say no, or we fear saying no is going to scare the client away by setting boundaries that we're going to 
make them unhappy and they're not going to want to work with us. But as a coach, it's our duty to set boundaries and to demonstrate the appropriate behavior. Because a lot of the time it's not like I'm coaching agencies and a little more like firmer high performance stuff. But um, even on the personal side, this is where that personal management comes from, the personal systems. So saying to yourself, yeah, I'm not going to work after 7 p.m. during the week. I don't work after 7 p.m. I do not respond to messages. If you do message me, I will not be responding to you. I don't work on the weekends. And then following through on those boundaries with yourself. And And a big thing that people don't realize is that when you are managing your own boundaries in this way, it's going to allow your business to grow even further. Because if you're able to say no to things, you're able to say yes to the things that you need to have more focus on or that it will be a different priority down the road. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So Kelsey for yourself though, like, and, and the business that you have, what's the, what's the impact that you're looking to have over the next 15 years? What's your mission? Oh God. Okay. So if we were to go real big, my big mission is resiliency. So <laughs> So I myself, I come from a pretty difficult background. There was a lot of trauma in my home. I ended up moving out when I was 16. Basically, I had to grow up from a very, very young age, and I had to take care of myself. And and then I did all the things that was expected of me in society, right? I've had a job since I was 14. I, you know, went to university. I got a big girl job. I I did pay off all of my debt. Um, And, you know, when it came time for, you know, the kids getting married, house, kids, and, and, and all that stuff, I was like, no, I quit my job to travel the world. (laughs) So, um, but one thing that I discovered in my own like personal journey of working on myself and just seeing it with other people, especially in the psych field. And then with the clients that I'm working with now is that we don't really teach wellness. We don't teach mental wellness. We don't teach people how to properly manage their thoughts, their feelings, their time, their energy. We don't really teach these skills. And all of this is really, really applicable in everyday life, whether you're managing a home and a family, or you are going to work and you're managing a job or you're managing a business. And if people were able to learn these skills to be resilient in the face of the obstacles that can and will happen, because that's life, life is a bitch sometimes, and there's always ups and downs, but teaching people the skill to be resilient, imagine how much better of a place the world would be. People would be able to manage their thoughts and their emotions. They would be able to handle what life throws at them. Um, sometimes some people get, you know, more a shit end of the stick than others, but like teaching that resiliency gives people the power to really create the life that they want and, and to know that that, that they have that in their, their control. And so that's really important to me. And so I'm not exactly sure how that's going to look in the future, but I want to continue to create a culture of people whether it be people who are just in jobs or who are running their own businesses where they have these skills and they teach that to their team and they teach that to their employees and it trickles out from there so that we can create a more resilient community or world in general. Yeah. Awesome. I really like that message. I mean, I, um, have you seen the, I think it's a Hugh and Kuhnberg or whatever he's uh, booked the resiliency project I have not I have not seen it no it's a fantastic book you should definitely read it um it's a different kind of look on uh resiliency like like Mm -hmm. the things that he thinks have been really important for people to be able to become resilient 
But yeah. um, yeah, if that's your mission, you should definitely check that out. Um, because I think, I think that is a really cool message. I think like the world would be a much better place with with that in place and and like people less overwhelmed. I think right. that's you know, less burnout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, every second day, I think someone's telling me they're tired, they're too busy, they've got all this stuff on, and it's overwhelming them. Like. I mean, particularly in the coaching space, you know, it's hard to see how many people give up yeah. because of that feeling, like yeah. that feeling of overwhelm. And it's really, yeah, it's hard to see because like you have, like you see how much some people have to offer, but it's just that couldn't quite push through or just mentally was really, really draining. Just couldn't, yeah. Well, I mean, think about it like, right, we all come with our own baggage, and some, like I said, some of us have more than others. But, like, if we that's why I said for the in the way beginning of this, I said the thing that's the going to be the biggest game changer for you is creating those personal systems for yourself how you manage your mind, how you manage your emotions, how you manage your energy. Because we already have baggage, some of us have done the work to deal with that baggage, some of us haven't. And sometimes it comes down to, we just simply haven't known how or it hasn't been, it has not been presented to us to do so. But if you're going to run your own business, if you're going to be a coach to other people, um, it's absolutely pertinent that you know how to do these things for yourself, because that's, what's not only going to contribute to your client's success, but it's going to contribute to your own success and you'll feel, you'll feel better in doing it. Yes. There's still going to be overwhelmed. Yes. Stuff is still going to suck in certain aspects of your business, but you will feel more empowered in your ability to say like, yeah, this sucks right now, but this doesn't define me as a person mm. and there's a way for me to figure it out. And I'm going to do that. And then you end up breaking through those barriers that you never thought you could. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, and look uh, after this, Kelsey, if anyone that's listening to this is thinking, I'd really like how my systems, where can I get in contact with you? Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, you can contact me on LinkedIn or Facebook, and I know we'll probably link those up instead of sure will. Yeah. sharing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll drop that into the show notes. So if anyone wants to get in contact with Kelsey um, around your personal systems or your business systems, I highly suggest that you do. Um, but otherwise, thank you very much for coming on, Kelsey, and sharing um, your tips. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is so great.